Our text this morning is an astonishing statement whose far-reaching implications maybe you haven't really thought much about. We're going to consider the final words of the Old Testament reading, that is the 25th verse of Genesis 2, where we read, The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Well, imagine that. Could you imagine living in a world in which there was no shame, especially no shame about your body? How does shame come about anyway? Well, shame happens when someone or yourself makes a negative judgment about you. And that creates shame. My roommate happened to notice as I was walking out of the shower in seminary that you could see my entire footprint. He says, hey, Cribe doesn't have any arches. I've got fallen feet. Oh, I never realized that. I guess I do. If you live in a world that is perfect, there can be no negative judgments. So Adam and Eve, living in the perfect world, which God had declared good along with them, there was no negative judgment about them. Therefore, if there is no negative judgment about you, there can be no shame. Neither one could have said, boy, you know, I just don't, I think I could be better. My fingers are clumsy and this humidity, it just wrecks my hair. I wish I had a different st- texture of hair. And I wish I was a little bit taller. Gee whiz, I, this is just not good enough. Eve could never have said, you know, there are parts of me that I'm embarrassed to let Adam see. I wish there was some way to cover myself. And the man could never have thought, much less said, Eve, you know, I know God wants me to be attracted to you, but I really am not. And for the longest time, I couldn't figure out why until this morning. I happened to look at my reflection in the river and I fell madly in love with the kind of body that I have. And if you had this kind of body, man, I could really go for you. Furthermore, no cover-up would be needed because neither would look at each other with a desire to possess them, to dominate them, to control them by shaming them. And no cover-up would be needed to mask the physical abuse one might feel because the other had tried to forcefully dominate and control them. But it only gets better. If there were no shame, we wouldn't have to feel that we have to deny that shame exists. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay the way I am, it insists. So we have expanded the definition of what it means to be normal to include more and more and more kinds of people. That I might desire to be united to one who looks like me anatomically is no longer shameful. But in fact, it is celebrated with rainbow pride parades. That I might want a physician to inject me with hormones or do physical surgery on me to change me anatomically so that I no longer feel trapped inside a body that my mind tells me is wrong is in many places considered an illness. To suggest that it is in other quarters is to be labeled and accused as being transphobic. 
Then there's the opposite technique that we use to try to get rid of shame, and that is to deflect it by addressing the shame that other people feel and making them feel shameful instead. Before we go into that, we must be careful to remember that after the fall, the judgments of God still held. The Ten Commandments are still the best example and guide on what ought to produce godly shame because that godly shame is meant to lead us to repentance and to receive forgiveness. Unfortunately, there is another type of shame that has come into the world, and that is shame that is a result of our judgments when they don't mirror God's judgment, but are our own. One example is something we call body shaming, fat shaming, shaming for thinness, height shaming, shaming of hairiness or the lack thereof, of hair color, of body shape, one's muscularity or the lack of it, breast size, facial features. These are all human judgments designed to shame and control other people by doing it. It's obvious that these are man's judgments, human judgments, because if you look at history, what was held up and glorified as one type of body and what was shamed in that same generation, in the next generation, it's like they get reversed. That which was once glorified is now shameful, and that which was shameful is now held up to be envied and modeled. And so we have gone from sizes ranging from the idealized, plump, ancient Greeks and Victorians to the flat-chested ancient Egyptians and the twiggy style models of the 1960s. In each era, people have shamed those who don't fit what is the ideal of the day. And they have communicated that negative judgment in very subtle ways through marketing. If you don't like the way you look, if you feel shamed about that, here's something that can alleviate that shame and you can buy it today. It has consisted of in some generations, corsets, bustles, push-up bras, front and back implants, reductions, Botox injections, liposuctions, diet pills, all kinds of regimens to lose weight too. Well, this mor yesterday morning I also heard an advertisement for a diet pill and it said, not only will this make you feel healthier because you will lose that weight, and physicians would agree with that, but it will also make you enjoy life more. Really? I know a lot of thin people who really don't enjoy their lives all that much. So don't tell me that swallowing this pill is going to make me enjoy life more. That's a whole other category of drugs that are largely forbidden in this country. The point is this. All of our attempts to remove shame and get back to our original state are just like Adam and Eve's fig leaf outfits. They are mostly inadequate, only temporary, and in some cases dangerously deceptive. Ever since the fall, we humans have not only knowledge of good, unfortunately we have knowledge of evil. And we can't get rid of that knowledge of evil that we have by denying it exists or by pronouncing it good. We can't, por we can't pronounce pornography as acceptable 
we can't okay child sex trafficking as, or pedophilia as normal. We can't affirm that any cosmetic surgeries will make us better people because they make us feel better about ourselves. So what hope do we have if we can't get back to our original state of feeling naked and unafraid? In the Genesis story, God covered our first parents' shame by clothing them with garments made of animal skins. And if they are clothed with animal skins, that implies that that animal has died. It was put to death. It was sacrificed to cover the shame of Adam and Eve. God always has a better method for handling our foolish attempts to cover our shame and inadequacies and our attempts to dominate or control other people by shaming them to fit what we want them to be. But in Christ, God has provided the perfect covering, a robe of righteousness, the New Testament calls it. And like those animal skins, this covering came at the cost of a death. Only it wasn't animals that died this time. It was God's Son who died on the cross. Broken body, blood shed. This robe of righteousness is more than an adequate covering to, for our failures to live as God intended us to live. Celebrating his perfect love in the midst of a fallen creation rather than denying or rationalizing our imperfections in order to make ourselves seem acceptable. In baptism, you received that robe. You became a new creation, washed clean, declared righteous by God's judgment. And we Christians believe that of all judgments that could be made, <clears throat> God's judgment on us in the last run is the one that fully counts. And so in baptism, we hear him say to us exactly what he said to his son, with you I am well pleased. So he's provided a better escape from shame than denying it offering acceptance of ourselves that is the result of his forgiveness. His covering. With this righteous covering comes a new sense of identity. A mind that has been renewed by Christ understands that its worth doesn't come from possessing the right height, the right weight, the right hair color or texture, or the right skin color, or anything like that. Neither can our worth be restored by calling what is wrong right. And Christ also offers us healing and freedom from these mistake, mistaken perceptions that are often put into people's minds that results in them having to deal with anorexia, bulimia, morbid obesity, and in too many cases, especially in the cases of young girls, suicide. Finally, with this covering of forgiveness comes a new desire. A desire to live for him who died and was raised so that your gaze is no longer directed to yourself and criticizing your imperfections and feeling ashamed about them or looking at others and trying to make them feel worse than you do. But your gaze is directed upward towards your Creator, towards your Redeemer, who promises that one day He's going to make all things new and to give you a resurrected, glorified body for which there will be absolutely, positively, no shame as you live with him forever. Amen.